Welcome back to Toronto Today right here on TSN 1050. I am Matthew Cause. We are joined now by Haley Wickenheiser. I could list off all the gold medals or any of that, but really it's Haley Wickenheiser. You know who she is, the greatest female hockey player ever in this country. Haley, thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Matt. So the reason we have you on is there was an article in the weekend all about, uh, in the Toronto Star, talking about barriers being broken for women in hockey. And it's a really good piece. And so much content there. And that's why we wanted to have you on. And we appreciate it. Um, want to talk about the idea of a single women's hockey league and how important that is. And where are we right now? And women breaking barriers in the NHL. But the place I'd love to start is you talked about, and people might not know, that you actually participated in the Flyers rookie camp at age 19 in 1998. Could you take us back to just what that was like with Bobby Clark and with the team? Yeah, so uh, after the 98 Olympics in Nagano, I, um, I got a call from Bob Clark and he invited me to the uh, development camp, or sorry, yeah, to the development rookie camp uh, with the Flyers. Uh, so I actually, uh, I went for uh, uh, two summers in 98-99 and, uh, and participated in the camp and um, it was great. It was an opportunity for me to, um, you know, see what it was like to make it to the NHL play and, and what the players went through in that environment. And it also was the start of a 20-year friendship that I've had with uh, Clarkey all these years. We stay in contact uh, quite frequently, and he's been a big uh, mentor of mine through my hockey career. So he was someone who just saw me as a hockey player, not as a female hockey player, and believed in my ability and wanted to give me the opportunity. And, you know, you might not have... You might not think that about, you know, sort of a tough guy in hockey. And, yeah. Um, but the way that he um, perceived me and, and women in hockey was if you are if you can play, you can play. And, and a hockey player is a hockey player. And so he really uh, gave me that opportunity at a young age. And uh, it was a great experience. I mean, they, they kicked our butts for <laughs> about 12 hours a day. And in today's development camps, they don't really do that anymore. So things have changed quite a bit. That's interesting. You're right. When you think of Bobby Clark, the stereotype is just – old, powerful hockey dude and not someone that's going to have that sort of progressive look where they don't look at gender, just you as a player. Um, mm-hmm. What uh, what surprised you the most about that rookie camp? I think just uh, nothing surprised me. I think I already understood what it took to play at an elite level, being on the national women's team and the type of training we went through for the to prepare for the Olympics. Um, the volume, but I think what you do see at the NHL level is just the amount of players that are good and the amount of competition and how hard it is to actually make it. Uh, and so the, uh, I think the emphasis now, I've now been to, to four. I was at a uh, Oiler and, and then the Leafs one recently. And so being on the other side of it is just how, how much, how important it is for a young player to understand what it actually takes to be a good pro and to make it to the NHL. Um, it doesn't just happen. <laughs> There's a lot of work. And the players that are willing to do the right things are often the ones that end up making it. So that that's really, I think, what those camps are all about now. Joined by four-time Olympic gold medals, Haley Wickenheiser. Um, where is the NHL right now in terms of opportunity for women to thrive? In the article, you said hockey is probably behind all pro sports in that area. And we've seen in the NBA there are two female assistant coaches, one in San Antonio, one in Dallas. Where are we right now in terms of the NHL and opportunities? I, I think the NHL is really weak. Uh, I think it's behind, in, in generally in a lot of areas, to be honest. I mean, I think if you look at pro sport, uh, the NBA has really done um, a lot of great things, whether it comes to diversity, to the business side of the game, and the NHL is 
is still trying to catch up. So I think we're, we're still stuck in a little bit of an old school mentality when it comes to this stuff. Um, but there are teams and people out there that are wanting to elevate and sort of have a, a new look on how we perceive things and move forward. So I think it's inevitable we'll see women involved in the NHL, but it is a slower rate than most other pro sports at the moment. So what you're saying is we need more Bobby Clarks running uh, hockey organizations to get this moving. Well, yeah. I mean, I yeah. think it, it just comes down to, you know, do you want to you want to be the best? Do you want to have the best thinkers? And do you want to have the most progressive mindset um, to look at the game? The game isn't played the way it was five, ten years ago. And so I think women can add, you know, I, don't, I never think you, you have women a part of a team just to have a female voice. You have somebody, you, you go on competence. And there's a lot of women, I think, who, who are competent in certain areas that could help a team down the road. And so it's just a matter of changing the mindset um, that it is seen almost, I think, as a weakness or as a closed door society yeah. to, to, to opening the doors to being interested to hear uh, maybe a different angle of looking at things and, and how we, um, there's a lot of things in the women's game that I think the NHL could adopt and vice versa that, that we can take into the women's game and do a lot better job with from what uh, they do on the men's side. So there's learnings on both sides. And I think if you're just open-minded, then you have an opportunity to really have improvement. What would be one thing if you could, you know, impress upon uh, Brendan Shanahan and Mike Babcock, Kyle Dubas with the Maple Leafs, one thing that they could take away from your game or from the women's game that could help the Maple Leafs? Uh, well, the one thing on the women's side is, um, so the NHL is a very cutthroat business. It's, it's, an, it's, you know, players are hired to be fired. Coaches are hired to be fired. It's, it's, you know, they're basically transactions, uh, almost like a piece of meat. Right. And so just the, uh, importance of never losing sight that people are people and they need to be treated well and handled with respect. And there's some things that, you know, I've witnessed at the NHL level that I would do differently in terms of tra- probably trying to uh, get my players to perform more consistently or better, um, treating treating people better. It doesn't mean being soft or no, no. or the- not being accountable. Accountable. There's just certain um, ways that you can enhance accountability and I think enhance performance. We also, I think, in the NHL have a very old school look at how we uh, integrate different parts of the team. So the training staff will be on their own. The coaching staff does their own thing. People don't really um, kind of cross over and really understand each other's field. But I think as a, as, a, as a head coach in the NHL, you also really have to understand physiology. You have to understand uh, the mental side of the game because you're dealing with people that are very complex human beings. And then, of course, you tie in all the hockey stuff. So it's, it's, there's a lot of things there that um, – you know, could probably be enhanced, I think, and um, or just looked at in a different way to see if it might work for, for certain groups. Yeah, and in a lo- part of what you're saying, I think, um, is that the game could benefit from a little more empathy. And for people listening, empathy is not a weakness. In fact, it is a strength, you know, to be able to feel what other people are going through and trying to, you know, work through that and make it a more positive mm-hmm. environment for everyone. That is not a weakness. That is That is a strength that I think a lot of people avoid. Oh, for sure it is. I mean, I think you look at some of the, uh, the the best coaches like Greg Popovich and guys like that out there, why they're having success with, with star players and, and how they're able to interact with star players. Uh, but not only that, I think also education is important in understanding different fields. So skill development is something that's still seen, I think, by a lot of NHL coaches is like summer tricks or <laughs> summer hockey and, uh, you know, incorporating, you know, why we do skill development, but that at the end of the day, it's still a team game. So how do you blend both? How do you, you know, keep players happy during the season and allowing them to, 
there's not a lot of practice time in the NHL. They don't practice much. So how do you get guys to still feel confident and, and folk, you know, with the puck when they don't get to touch it very often outside of the game. So things like that, I think are uh, little things that teams can do to try to enhance the performance um, of players and then ultimately maybe win a few more games. Joined by Haley Wickenheiser um, in the article, you talked about, you know, the desire to have one central league for women's hockey and, the quote is, until the best players in the world play in one league, we're not going to progress women's hockey to where it needs to be at. Um, how far away do you think are we and are you and hockey in general from having this a reality? Well, I'd like to say we're close, but every time I say that, it takes another five years for something to happen. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that I, I, I don't see it happening in the next little while, but I hope it does because it's the only... Uh, I think it's the barrier to really taking the game to the next level. Um, you know, when you look at Olympic competition, you know, that comes every four years. And of course people love watching Canada, U S but that's not sustainable for women's hockey in the long run. And so we need uh, something outside of those Olympic years. And if you have the best players split between two leagues, uh, the NWHL in the U S and the CWHL in Canada, neither product is very good. Um, without the best players in one league. And so I think what we've seen now is there's some, been the, some of the top American players have come to uh, Canada to play in Montreal and, and Calgary recently, and we'll probably see more of that. Eventually, one league won't be able to sustain, to sustain itself. But I'd love to see before that happens, the NHL take a proactive approach. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I know they, they, they're interested. They have a plan. They want to do it. Um, they just don't want to be seen as um, the divisive marker. But... Um, you know, the way the w, uh, the WHA and the NHL formed is very similar. So we're kind of going through the same growing pains that men's hockey did, I don't know, 50 years ago or whatever it was. This might be a difficult question, Haley, um, because obviously it's complicated. Is there one factor, is there one thing that you would like to see happen that would be a catalyst for eventually this goal? Uh, yeah, I think the one thing that really could move the needle is if the top 40 players from Canada and the U.S., so essentially the two national teams, just said, we're not playing until there's one league. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then what you end up, end up have happening is you have no product because the best players in the world aren't a part of any league. Nobody wants to watch it, and it forces the hand of, of both to actually figure it out. So the players have the power in all this, and I wish they would just sort of band together and understand that and, and step up with a united voice. That would really make a difference. Could Hockey Canada, what part could they play in all of this? Uh, I don't think Hockey Canada has a, a ton of influence. I think that they see themselves as running national teams and not really uh, interfering in leagues. But certainly they could have um, probably more power, say, if they if they wanted to. I'm just not sure what their appetite is for getting involved. Before we let you go, I, uh, I saw a TV clip with you just recently talking about Jerome Ginla. I think my favorite quote from it is, Jerome Ginla, he will crush you and smile afterwards. I was wondering... <laughs> If uh, any of your favorite moments, stories, or anecdotes uh, with Jerome McGinley, who retired, that you'd like to share with the listeners? <laughs> well, that's just that kind of is how I see I see Jerome, and he's such a friendly, happy-go-lucky, humble guy off the ice, but on the ice was a fierce competitor. And I remember playing, I think, a game of ping pong uh, against him in Vancouver up in the Athletes Lounge. And same thing, you know, it's all jokes and fun, but when the game starts, he's not going to lose that ping pong game. So, um, you know, that is who he was. He was really um, a complete hockey player. I think he could fight, score, check, do all the dirty work, and he was a good leader. Um, and I think at the end of the day, he's uh, an incredibly good human and a class act. And 
you know, a 20 year career in the NHL, I don't think we'll see that very much anymore. And so it's a credit to him and also to, to his wife, Kara, for, for dealing with that for 20 <laughs> years too. So I'm very happy for him. Did he have a backspin? How was his ping pong game? Like they do, because I always find I can't ever get the backspin. Like just when I see the, 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 the pro players, it always amazes me. Well, you know, a lot of the guys are pretty good at playing ping pong. They got a lot of free time and they've got ping pong tables in their room. So <laughs> it wasn't too bad. <laughs> hey, uh, really appreciate. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, you know, in, in our job, it's all about content and interest. And the idea of a woman being part of a coaching staff in the NHL, you know, or training, scouting, whatever, that just makes it makes sports more interesting. It adds more voices, which just adds more content. So uh, certainly rooting for it on this end. And thank you so much for joining us. And good luck with the continued trying to grow the game. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. Appreciate it.